everyone, Terry Welbrock here, host of the Healing Place podcast, and just wanted to share some quick announcements before today's wonderful episode. Um, the audiobook production. That's so exciting. I'm in book number four right now. Um, the first two books, The Energy Medicine Solution, Mind-Blowing Results for Living an Extraordinary Life, written by Jacqueline M. Kane. Uh, as well as The Wellness Woman, A Guide to Holistic Health and Happiness, uh, written by Carrie Hendricks. Both are out in the world of Audible, so go check those out. You can look up Terry Welbrock uh, in order to find both of those, probably the easiest, uh, e- easiest way to do so. Um, and if you go to my Facebook page, uh, Facebook The Healing Place Podcast, there are posts that I'm putting out, uh, you can just scroll back through the posts and find uh, either of those books and you can find some links if you are not yet on Audible. Um, Another quick exciting announcement is that I went to pop on my host, Blueberry, uh, my hosting site the other day and noticed that the podcast had jumped from being downloaded in 125 countries to 134 countries. It's not listed um, what are the new countries, so I would have to go back and and really do some digging. But So nine countries, people in nine different countries uh, have found this show, so yay! I'm so excited. Um, I joined uh, previous podcast guest Michael Andre Ford on his show. If you go to YouTube to Michael Andre Ford, Um, He has an Angels Positivity and Love show, Angels Positivity and Love. And so my interview with him will be coming up as a guest on his show, October 15th. So mark that on your calendars. It was a beautiful, wonderful interview, uh, conversation. And then what else is on my my list? Um, The podcast, the Healing Clicks podcast has some new badges have been awarded. Um, some of the ones that I've had and, and uh, been sharing with folks, over 100,000 listeners, uh, been podcasting s- over six years now. Holy moly. That's so amazing. Um, global reach, obviously, in 134 countries. Uh, now over 300, I think I'm like at 310 episodes uh, published. Um and still working to bring in monetization and sponsors. So if you are listening and want to sponsor this show and have a healing product or um, an offering and want to be a sponsor, please uh, go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, and you can go to um, the Donate Now tab, and that brings up sponsorship opportunities. Uh, been doing affiliate partnerships, so working with the Shift Network, uh, doing some affiliate work and sharing their programs, which are just amazing, as well as the Gupta program, which I utilize myself, some amazing meditations. Um, so again, you can always reach out to me at uh, info at terrywellbrock.com. That's my email for the show, uh, info at terrywellbrock.com. And ask me about any of these things. Um, I'm always, always open to hearing from folks. So uh, if you want information about the Gupta program, about the Shift Network, um, I've also just started a Creator Connector campaign through Amazon. 
uh, through my affiliate link with Amazon, and so I'll be putting a lot of products out. Um, I'm thinking about creating a page on my website for it uh, and keep it rolling and updated. Uh, but certainly on the Facebook page, um, you can find products I've used personally or products that I've researched uh, that will help you along your healing journey. Um, oh, the Healing Place Podcast. If you go to Feedspot, uh, 90 Best Healing Podcasts, the Healing Place Podcast is number six. Woohoo! So, yeah, 90 Best Healing Podcasts. So exciting. Um, and finally, the last thing is uh, five star reviews. If you love the show um, and would write a five star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be so amazing. Um, I would love to hit 100 by year end. Right now, I think I'm at uh, 50 something or maybe 60. I think I'm over 60. Um, yeah, that would be so fantastic. So go to Apple Podcasts, find the Healing Place Podcast, and uh, write a review and uh, or leave a ranking. That would be fantastic. Just, uh, again, so very grateful that you're here and part of this, inviting others to listen and helping this show just continue to blossom and grow. So, all right, now for the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and very happy in my heart today to have with me Tina Davidson, and she is a composer, and oh my gosh, I've listened to some of her music on Spotify, and as a matter of fact, I just had some on, I thought, I'm going to get into the groove before we, before we connect, and also an author. She's recently released her memoir, and she's here to talk about that and so much more, so welcome, Tina. Oh, my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, for sure. And again, I I love your music. I was just listening to, is it uh, Curve, Blue Curve? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. And it just starts out. Um, it's just very simple. And then it just, it just builds and builds and builds. And I know I'm not a big, I don't know how to talk about the music properly other than that. I just loved it. I love when it gets to the middle. Oh, beautiful. So, and it seems to be like when I read reviews of your music, that seems to be one of your pieces that just really resonates with folks. Well, and it's an amazing virtuosic violinist, um, and that performance. So it's on Spotify. Yeah. Blue curve of the earth. It's sort of like, you know, how uh, it's almost like the sun is coming from the edge of the earth and starting to slowly reveal it. And it's, it's what we call home, you know, it's, it's our place. So it's kind of a, an ode to, to the earth. That's beautiful. I live on Hilton Head Island, and one of our favorite things to do is go out onto the beach and watch the sunrise. But my daughter was even saying, I'd like to get there early before, like, just as the sky is starting to light up, because it is, it's a whole process of that sun coming up and then lighting up the world. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I Again, I, I'm such a music, well, my, my music tastes are so crazy eclectic, but I grew up in a household. My mom loved, loved, loved opera and uh, in classical music. And so on Sundays, particularly, she would just blast that in our little apartment. And so I grew up listening to it, Deflator Mouse. I remember like that was one of her favorites. <laughs> and so, um, you know, don't ask me to like what it, what it is. If I heard it, I wouldn't know that was the name of it. But 
Well, and, and I'm also an author, so I just published a memoir, which is also doing really well. But in it, I talk a lot um, about my creative process and how I create music. I don't talk about it in technical terms, but, you know, like the feeling that I have. So like this piece, The Blue Curve of the Earth, it's a title that I held in my head while I was writing the music. So I was always thinking about the colors and the, you know, you know, even from the moon, there's that beautiful shot of the earth and, you know, how the, the oceans are so blue. And so that those words sort of are, are there with me as I journey to compose the piece. And I've been writing for 45 years. So it's kind of my language now. So um, it's, uh, it was a real pleasure to really talk about it, about my creative process in ways that I would hope that people could understand without having to know anything about classical music or new music. Right. That's beautiful. So you brought up your memoir and it is Let Your Heart Be Broken. And so, yes, talk to us about um, the inspiration behind writing it. Well, um, I will read you a little bit about right at the beginning um, after the, um, I guess it's the author's notes. It starts off, um, I was at a conference um, in the 80s, right at the height of the AIDS epidemic, when people we knew, especially in the arts, were dying and, and their families or their loved ones were taking care of them. And there was not only these you know, it was, it was a, a horrible disease and it would hit young men and women in the prime of their life. And um, I think sometimes we forget as we've gone through COVID that, you know, some of us have gone through another epidemic of that kind of uh, sort. And um, so I was at a conference um, that was for people who've been helping young people die for them to get some, some resources. And one of the audience members said, um, what is the meaning of life? And this was Stephen Levine who was hosting this and he's a poet and an author and he worked with Kubler-Ross on death and dying and he had some wonderful ideas of, about it. So he's asked, what is the meaning of life? And he says, well, I'm asked that all the time and I'm not really sure, but I think the meaning of life is to let your heart be broken. And then I write the heart the round sphere of your being. Let your heart be broken. Allow, expect, look forward to the life you have so carefully protected and cared for. Broken, cracked, rent into, heartbreakingly, your heart breaks. And in the two halves, rocking on the table, is revealed rich earth, moist, dark soil, ready for new life to begin. So it, the book is really about my journey of dealing with my heartbreak, uh, which happened early in life, uh, really as a three-year-old, and um, and the ramifications of it, the echoes through through my younger life until I was in my thirties, and finding that the only way to go out of this situation is to go through it. And um, that I was so surprised um, how much wealth there was for me in terms of sustainability and self-recreation um, after this 
kind of difficult process um, that I decided to undertake. And how not only was I living through it, but I was also writing music about it as well. Um, I have a piece that was written in that uh, time period called Dark Child Sings, and it was for cello quartet. But it was about that dark child in me and that I wanted to allow, I don't know why, I always thought of him as him. <laughs> I wanted him to, or her to have a voice. And so I wrote a piece thinking about that to give that child in me a voice. So that's what my book is about. And that's really been my journey. And I think, you know, everybody's heart gets broken. It happens all the time. And it happened in the past and it will probably happen in the future at some point, either a disappointment or even, you know, having your last child leave your house and grow up and leave. It has a certain kind of heartbreak uh, in it. And so it's a continual process, I think. Once you get some skills in doing some of it, then you realize you just have to keep on doing it. Yes. Well, first off, I want to go back and say I loved the visual of the moist, dark earth because you and I had talked for just a few moments before I hit record and talked about that going into the darkness. And as you as you read those beautiful words, the very poetic, uh, I just had that visual of being that, you know, the seed and then it just bursting open through that that dark soil and that new growth. Well, and and that kind of horrifying moment when you realize your your heart is broken, but you're also protecting it. <laughs> you're you're hiding it, you're putting it behind you. You hope it you can move on. And yeah. for me, what I found is it was it was kind of like this puppeteer. Sometimes I would act out things or do things that I almost had no control of that were related to my trauma. Maybe, you know, a boyfriend depict. You know, that's pretty common for people who have been abused as a child to pick abusive partners. And it's almost like you can't stop it. And um, and so this really walking into that heartbreak really allowed me a new kind of freedom that came with knowledge. And, and how do I deal with it when it, you know, I have lots of skeletons in my closet. There's a closet over there. And every once in a while they come out, but now I'm getting good at it. I go, hey, what are you doing? Hey, get back in the closet. And they go, well, I have a complaint. I said, I'm here. Tell me what your complaint is. Usually it's like, how could you do that? <laughs> you know, usually it's that kind of thing. And I'll say, I'll handle it. Thanks for letting me know. You know? Yeah. Now go back to what your job is. Usually it's a kid you know, an old voice, a child voice, or maybe it's a judgmental voice in my head. And, I'll, you know, so that's a great thing to learn how to do. Yes. Oh, for sure. I've practiced that. It, it, some, uh, there's like parts work and it's those, those parts of us that came in to be the protector or to be the, the voice. And I love it because yes, when you can say, okay, that was your job then, but I, it's okay. I've got it now. I, I can do this. I'm, yeah, I'm an adult. I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. And I always feel that those parts of me have something to do. It's usually playing, <laughs> you know, they, they, they need to go back and do their thing. 
and let me handle whatever the situation. And I always appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm usually go, Oh, honey, I know you're scared. Oh. I'm kind of scared too. Um, but you know, I've, I've done this before, you know, I'll, I'll do it again. Yeah. Right. So that can help me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Something you had said triggered me to thinking, Oh, so my sister and I talk about the chaos that we grew up in. And you're right. When you're, when, before you step through the darkness and, and do that powerful healing work, it is, we said that we found comfort in the chaos in in that that's what we knew. That's what we grew up with. And so there was a comfort in being with people who treated us the same. And uh, so, yeah, for sure, there's a, I think, a very uh, common pattern there with trauma survivors. Yeah. And I think there is also the opposite thing that happens where um, as a child, I, I learned to dissociate, mm-hmm. which is a great thing to do. If if what is around you is just so overwhelming and painful, you can just sort of like go elsewhere in your head. Yeah. <laughs> I think that music was a way of me surrounding myself with a safe space. It was a place that I could enter, especially when I was younger and I was practicing and my mother would just like be so pleased I was practicing. Don't bother her. You know, it was a safe place. And I think that that's one of the reasons I became a composer is I could, without really understanding it myself at that point, but later I realized I could speak about my trauma and about my journey and about who I was, but nobody could really know exactly in musical terms what I was talking about because it was melodies or, you know, they could say, wow, that was kind of an angry piece, but they know what I was angry about. So it also had a real level of protection for me. Um, And I think it fed into this sort of, wanting to step out of all that chaos and found find safe space for myself um so i think you can either do both you know um and dissociation is not a really attractive adult (laughs) trait (laughs) you know when you you know you don't even know what's going on because you've vacated the premises right Uh, so it's it's not a good coping skill at all No, I remember when I was in EMDR therapy, when I first stepped onto the healing path 10 years ago, and my therapist said uh, something about, well, you know, you dissociate. And I was like, dissociate? What is that? And I remember that was the first time I'd learned about it. And I said, oh, I've lived my whole life dissociating. So yeah, I totally get it. And you just had me, like my head just went, poo, blew up. I mean, just very, very powerful. And what a gift that was to you, right? To be able to really process so much of your trauma by releasing it through the creation of music. And, or but, um, it wasn't until my daughter was born and I was 30. And I realized, and I I talk about this in the beginning of my uh, memoir, I realized that I was sort of at a crossroad. I could give her all my trauma and she could sort of inherit it the way I inherited my mother's trauma or I could really get to work and figure this thing out and I went into therapy I think she was about a year old at that point and worked really really hard and what I realized about my music is that even though it was a protection I wasn't writing at that point out of an authentic self 
So that first 10 years of composing in my 20s, it was sort of, uh, people would say they'd listen to my music and say, well, it's a great piece, but it doesn't remind me of you at all. I don't, and I always thought, oh, well, yeah. But I realized in my 30s and my 40s that I really couldn't articulate the real thing that I was going through because I didn't understand it really well. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we're still stuck in, in the injured child thinking and not being able to. Also the anger and frustration. And um, that was just, it was such a load to carry. And in fact, I do have a wonderful chapter about forgiveness at the end of the book. And um, it was inspired by a dream. I had a lot of trouble, not only with my mother, but my stepfather. I'm and The dream is that I'm in the basement. And in Philadelphia, we had a, a dirt floor in the basement. So it's like kind of damp and, and I'm dragging something behind me. And I was like, a, the rope is cutting into my shoulder. And I'm finally, I look back and I realize it's the shape of a body in a bag. And I am dragging this back and forth and back and forth. And I thought, wow, I woke up and I said, I've got to get out of this basement. This is not good. So I think there uh, there are so many levels of healing that um, it is a multi-layered thing. So getting over the anger and the the guilt, and then walking through forgiveness. Um, and finally, to me, the gift of forgiveness is, um, you know, towards the end of my parents' life, I really could be with them and be kind and not be like having to leave the room because I was just suddenly couldn't breathe or um, being fake, you know, I could really be genuinely kind for them. You know, I, I never got that relationship back that I hoped for, you know, that I had lost in a childhood, but I could be gentle with them. I could ignore some of the things they were saying. I got to a place where I thought, oh yeah, my mom's just not going to acknowledge this and I can live with it. You know, and that was such a victory. Boy, I just felt so accomplished. Yes. <laughs> oh. I stay in the room with them. I so relate. Well, in, in our email exchanges, we I had told you that my mom passed away in, in March after a hospice day on my birthday. <laughs> I was like, Mom, <laughs> I can't believe you died on my birthday. But it really, it was actually a beautiful gift that, that she did. Um, and you had said that your your mother had passed as well. Um, I think you said 99. She and... was 99 and nine days old. And it was a very hard death. Very, very hard death. I I don't know if I would recommend living to your 99. <laughs> yeah. Because I think your brain really starts to deteriorate. And she had late onset Alzheimer's and, and was in distress. But some of it was very sweet. She goes, did you grow up in this town? And I go, yeah, I did grow up in this town. She said, I did too. I said, yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's so, so sweet. I, it, was, it was such a second chance for me. Uh, yes mine was too with my mom and it was and, and I love that you brought up forgiveness because it is kind of one of those taboo subjects of you know some people are like I'll never forgive the my perpetrators or you know the those that uh, preyed upon me or hurt me 
my abusers. And then there's those of us who I personally, I had to go through that journey for myself because it released me. Um, but it's not something we, we really talk about a lot. So I, I'm glad you brought it up. I know it was a very, very important journey for me. And I think also forgiveness is never about the other person. It's always about yourself. And it's sort of like, I think my dream was very appropriate. I had this weight that was hurting me and keeping me down in this horrible place. And the way I did, I just devised my own and I write about it. Um, I devised my own forgiveness path. So I decided I, I better, after that dream, I said, okay, I better do my forgiveness. And I said, well, I don't know how to do it. But how about when I walk the dog, I will just say, I forgive you. And I don't even have to mean it. Don't have to mean it. All I have to say is, I forgive you. So I forgive you, Tina. So I'd work on myself. I'd forgive my daughter. I'd forgive my brothers and sisters. I'd forgive my work colleagues. And I'm walking the dog and it's a big American Staffordshire Bull Terrier. So it's pulling me and I am walking behind this tail. <laughs> and about nine blocks later, I am hot and angry and I said to my I forgive you mom and I'm, I'm yelling and shouting and forgive you my stepfather and I think I must have single-handedly terrorized that neighborhood <laughs> oh my god it's 8 30 in the morning and who is going to walk by yelling <laughs> I love it <laughs> and what I loved the most was that I gave myself permission to say it and not mean it because I couldn't mean it at that point. All I had to do was say it. And I think slowly and surely, you know, the word softened it and, and the people in my life softened. And, you know, maybe I wasn't yelling. I was like, oh yeah, I forgive you. And then I would remember things that I, oh my God, remember that time. Okay, I forgive you for that. And again, it was this process of just then noticing, oh, I can be with my stepfather and he, when he asks me some inane, stupid question, I don't blow my stack. Wow, what a win. What a win. And that's sort of what I did. You know, um, I, I apologize to the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, that was a great visual. I love it. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Well, you know, again, I... I love it because forgiveness is such a personal journey. I wrote letters of forgiveness, but similar to you, I wrote, I wrote them mm -hmm. and then the person would come to mind and I'd find I was still really irritated or just and another thing. <laughs> yeah. And so then I'd write some more and then I'd add a PS and another PS and then I'd, or they'd rewrite the whole letter and, and I kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it until I wrote like from the heart, the forgiveness. And right. so, yeah, it, that's, that's a great, I mean, it's just great that you found your way of doing it. Right. So the idea is you want to get to a place where you are free to go, go on with your life. You are no longer burdened by this. And so that's why I never think that forgiveness is about another person. And uh, what what I'd say to my mother, I forgive you. It's not like she would say, she's still stuck in her stuff. 
it's not that she would be she wouldn't be available to receive that um so she's like what do you need to forgive me for <laughs> right <laughs> right so i i think it's just you know it's about getting peace of mind and yeah just free to go on to this amazing life that you are now creating for yourself um free of a lot of these burdens yes yeah i heard a quote once that was something along the lines of uh people will only meet you as uh as where they've been able to meet themselves and so (laughs) what you said about your mother in not being able you just knew that she wasn't going to be able to meet you in that place and so you just were able to say you know what that's her journey this is mine and I think a lot of times people might come to you and say oh I'm so sorry about what I did to you and that's really wonderful but sometimes it doesn't heal the trauma you know you still have lived with that uncomfortable or sad tragic difficult thing so um i uh yeah i I definitely recommend it um and it's a a little bit i think it's maybe a little bit like brainwashing it's sort of the way i stopped years and years decades ago stopped smoking i would i was i was so addicted to smoking oh my god um but I what I said to myself is okay. Every time you wake up in the morning, you have the first cigarette. You're going to tell yourself how horrible it tastes. I had to light a cigarette. Oh, it really tastes horrible. Oh my god! You know, after six months, I believed myself. You know, yeah. I go, oh, I hate the way your clothing smell. Oh, you know. Yes, you did brain rewiring. You I you did so. it. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Oh my gosh. I love it. Love it. Love it. And as someone who was also a smoker and and I did hypnosis because it was, I had to, I had to figure out a way, a different way of thinking about it, but oh yeah. I remember that journey. Well, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank God it worked. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's been like, I don't know, like 20 years ago. (laughs) Awesome. So I know we could sit and talk about, gosh, music and, and forgiveness and all things wonderful, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, anything we haven't been able to touch upon yet. Um, well, sometimes I've, I've done this. Um, for one of the podcasts, somebody asked me to write uh, 10 things that I had learned. And, you know, as an artist and someone who's really been a lifetime artist, I'm I'm very much committed to pointing out um, creativity in everyone. I know sometimes my field likes to, the classical music field likes to think that, you know, there are just a few of us composers, you know, and we're the creative ones and you're not. Well, <laughs> I would like to contradict that idea. <laughs> and I did a lot of work in public schools and, and in Philadelphia and in public schools that were at, at really poor neighborhoods and really didn't have money facilities and I just taught composition instrument building composition if you didn't know music then we'll draw it we'll paint it we'll we'll somehow create a score that you can perform for your friends and your family um so um I think you know certainly that idea of trusting and valuing your creativity and knowing that it's a birthright it's not something that you're lucky about, like, you know, oh, gee, I was lucky. No, it's like having two legs and two arms. 
I think sometimes when we don't notice it or people tell us we're not something, it tends to atrophy and we ignore it. But I personally, my personal experience is that people are creative. So I think what I would um, say is the, uh, something, but we've talked about this. I would say the last thing I have on here is dare to create yourself anew. Heartbreak, failure, being sidelines, all of these are part of life. It's how we act upon these, manage them, learn, move through them, and dare to try again in a strengthened position that matters. Yay. Yes. I love it. And I, my sister, so this angel right here, for those watching the video, yes, and yeah, my sister painted that. And it's the, you can't see it unless the light's hitting it, but it's actually, she used gold flaked paint mm -hmm. for the wings. And so <laughs> when the sun hits it, oh my gosh, it's magnificent. And she is, she's had some of her artwork in, um, in shows and galleries and so forth. She's just a magnificent artist and I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. So I always used to say, oh my gosh, Katie, you got, you have dad's artistry, you know, artistic talent. And I have no, like, I'm not creative at all. I'm not. And then I realized, oh, wait. I'm a really good writer. I'm a, I mean, I've been told by others, I'm a very good writer. And so my creativity is in my ability to write and to create through through that way. Um, and then I started- podcast. Yeah, the podcast. And then I started taking photos and I realized, oh, I like, I really enjoy photography and the beauty of capturing things on this island. And so- then I said, well, that's creativity. And, and so, yeah, you're right. What I thought was, oh, I wasn't like my sister. So therefore I must not be creative. No, 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 that's not it at all. Yeah. Well, and I think because um, I don't, I don't say this lightly, but having lived, you know, these 50 years of writing music and writing a book, I kind of feel like I have a little bit of an authority on creativity. <laughs> so a little bit yeah <laughs> and I would say to people yes absolutely yes you have creativity it's about naming it I was just writing about who names me who calls me a composer who calls me an author and when I call myself a composer and author suddenly my vision is broader I'm not like thinking oh am I creative no well I don't know it's suddenly oh yeah okay I can I can see further. So I think it's so important to value and trust your creativity and name it. Just name it. Yeah. Beautiful. So how do folks connect with you? How do they find your music and your book and you? So easy peasy. Uh, my website is tinadavidson.com. If you want to send me an email, it's easy to do it through my website. I love getting emails. Uh, you can buy my book on Amazon, just Tina Davidson, uh, Let Your Heart Be Broken, Life and Music from a Classical Composer. And wherever you get music, like on Spotify or Apple Music, you just search for my name and you can find, find music there. Wonderful, so. wonderful. And I'll go ahead, everyone, if you're if you follow on the Facebook page, which I think we just hit over 7000 followers on the Facebook page, yes. I will put a, an Amazon link to uh, the book. I'll do that today or tomorrow. So pop on the Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I also have a Facebook page. I think it's Tina Davidson, composer and author. 
Yeah. Wonderful. So follow me as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be sure to tag your, I'll be sure to tag your page in it. Um, so you can see the, the post and then people can also find that and follow your page there as well. So. Oh, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Yes. Oh, yeah. gosh. I, I'm so glad you came across my radar. I'm so glad we connected. And uh, it's just been a it's just been a joy to to sit and chat with you. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today. And remind you to visit my website as well, terrywellbrock.com. You can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.